0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, May 31st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Years ago, the lead industry deceived the American public about who was at risk of exposure to its toxic products to stave off a decline in sales. In the meantime, many Americans continued to be exposed to the health threat.
1: The Lead Industries Association director defined lead poisoning as a problem of slums. And again, these are his words, ineducable parents.
0: We'll have more details on that story in just a few minutes. A COVID relief bill that St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones signed this month includes $2 million to improve accessibility for people with disabilities who live in or visit the city. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports.
2: Under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the city is obligated to make its public buildings and spaces accessible to individuals with a variety of disabilities. Its commissioner on the disabled, David Newberger, says most of the time, the work gets done when a sidewalk or a street is being repaired or a new building is going up. But Newberger says the projects funded through the American Rescue Plan Act are different.
0: What we are picking up with
1: this kind of work is projects that are upgrading existing situations that otherwise would not be looked at.
2: The list includes making two men's restrooms at City Hall accessible and installing new curb cuts and ramps at city senior centers. Newberger calls the $2 million a terrific start to whittling down the backlog of projects. I'm Rachel Lippmann. St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker will sign a measure today funneling $700 million a year into Medicaid-funded nursing homes to improve quality of care. About half will be used as incentive payments to hire more staff and create a higher pay scale for certified nursing assistants. The rest will raise the amount the state reimburses the homes. Teresa Eagleson is the director of the Department of Healthcare and Family Services in Illinois.
2: In a perfect world, it would have been better to anticipate some of this and fix it before the pandemic. But as we as we dove in, we saw some of it happening, and then the pandemic only made it worse.
0: Eagleson says understaffing and overcrowding have been problems for a long time. She says the funds will come from a combination of federal matching dollars, general revenue funds, and tax levies on nursing homes. A record-breaking budget with investments throughout Missouri is one area legislators agreed on during the just-completed legislative session. The budget package, though, is among less than 50 pieces of legislation lawmakers passed this year in Jefferson City. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports.
2: Included in the $49 billion budget is the state's plan of how to allocate its share of federal funding from the American Rescue Plan Act. The state has until the end of 2024 to fully allocate that money and until the end of 2026 to spend it. The bill containing that spending plan uses more than $2.8 billion in federal funding for statewide investments, like improving broadband and in specific areas. The St. Louis region alone is receiving millions in funding for over 10 projects. Democratic Representative Kevin Wyndham called this money once-in-a-lifetime funding. These are the projects that, again, uh, changed the entire uh, landscape of a community. One of those projects includes $6 million towards the demolition of the abandoned Jamestown Mall. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg,
0: St. Louis Public Radio. A Valley Park-based sound company and its owner have been awarded $875,000 after sabotage accusations by promoters of a former area music festival. A jury awarded Logic Systems Sound and Lighting $800,000 and another $75,000 to owner Howard Self. His company pulled out of LooFest in 2018. Other vendors followed, leading to the event's cancellation. Organizers sued Self and his company, saying the festival's financial problems were not as dire as claimed. They also accused Self of trying to start his own music event. His lawyers denied that claim. Self-countersued, leading to a court trial. The Post-Dispatch reports a jury came back with its decision late last week. Lead is a dangerous neurotoxin. Researchers have known that for decades. But the substance stuck around in everyday products like paint and gasoline for years. The Midwest Newsroom's Niera Savage spoke with John Jay College historian and professor Gerald Markowitz about how the lead industry used racial bias to divert the public's attention away from the risks of the toxin. She started by asking Markowitz about the Lead Industries Association's public relations campaign.
1: Well, the Lead Industries Association was the trade association for various uh, lead companies. They could be lead mining companies, they could be lead smelter companies, they could be lead pigment uh, manufacturers. And the reports that were started coming out in the 19 teens and 1920s about lead um, uh, poisoning of children. Uh, was of great concern to the Lead Industries Association because it could, of course, affect its sales.
2: In your book, Deceit and Denial, you and co-author David Rosner talk about the way the lead industry manipulated the public's idea of who was at risk of lead poisoning. How did they do it and how did they get away with it?
1: Well, the way the Lead Industries Association um, was able to manipulate the perception of lead poisoning was that they defined it as a problem of um, what they called slums, that is, uh, uh, inner cities where the housing was uh, deteriorating, and primarily children of color were being exposed to um, flaking lead um, off of the walls and ceilings.
2: It seems like the 1957 Lead Industries Association's annual meeting was an important moment in the framing of the narrative about lead. What happened there?
1: At that meeting, uh, the Lead Industries Association uh, director, uh, Manfred Bowditch, defined lead poisoning as a problem of slums and, again, these are his words, ineducable parents. Um, In a private letter, he made clear who he meant by ineducable parents. He was talking there, in his words, again, as Negro and Puerto Rican uh, parents. And so he was, in that meeting, really blaming the victims He was blaming the uh, parents of children for not preventing lead poisoning.
2: What role did the NAACP, the Black Panthers, and other activist groups play in calling out racial disparities in lead exposure, and how did that contribute to the emergence of the concept of environmental racism?
1: The um, civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s was really crucial to the development of uh, understanding of lead poisoning as an environmental justice and environmental racism uh, issue. The Black Panthers and the Young Lords specifically made lead poisoning an issue of uh, poverty, an issue of racism that the society had uh, neglected and that the society had um, not addressed. And so they really um, performed an incredible service to society as a whole because uh, lead was eventually eliminated from uh, gasoline. Lead was eventually eliminated from paint. And um, the lead levels of children all across the country um, were dramatically reduced.
0: That was historian Gerald Markowitz speaking with the Midwest Newsroom's Niera Savage. This reporting is part of the investigative project with the Missouri Independent called Unleaded that examines lead poisoning in Midwestern children. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway.